Welcome everyone, this is Carlos from SeedCamp. Today we're going to be talking about a sector and leading the discussion on that sector, the legal tech sector, will be our very own Tom Wilson. Now some of you may or may not know this, but Tom himself was a lawyer prior to joining SeedCamp and as a, as a consequence of that, the authority that he brings to the subject is actually part of the reason why he's so passionate about it. To kick things off, maybe Tom, you can just give us a little bit of background of what you were doing before SeedCamp. Uh, and the context of, of law that you, you practiced. Yeah, thanks, Carlos. Um, so, yeah, be, as Carlos mentioned, before Seedcamp, I practiced as a lawyer um, in the kind of corporate law space, focused primarily on private equity and venture capital in the fundraising and deal space, so with M&A as well. Yeah, so I was practicing there for three years, joined the Seedcamp team two years ago, and now work as part of the investment team. For those of the, the audience who are probably less familiar with the days in and days out of a lawyer, and we'll talk about this in the sectors as well, what are the things that define legal tech? What are the areas of a lawyer's job that can be replaced with technology or, or perhaps some of the, the routine things that technology is apt for disrupting? Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's, it's a really good question. Um, legal tech broadly is, you know, it's looking at technical technology solutions to problems faced by the legal, legal sector. So as a lawyer, you know, a lot of the jobs which you do are quite repeatable. You know, there's, there's a lot of them which you're going to do over and over again. And Such as? Just a good idea. So, I mean, for example, you know, a large part of is contract review. So you might be, you know, looking over very, very similar types of contract over and over again as part of, for example, a due diligence process where one company is buying another company and the company which they're buying has a lot of contracts. And as part of that, someone in the legal team is going through all those contracts and maybe even looking for very similar clauses every single time. Like, for example, a change of control clause, which is going to come into effect when they buy the company so that that purchaser knows what they're buying. So that's something which is a lot, law firms will do and junior lawyers in particular will do a number of times. So when you see a process like that, now being on the other side of the equation in the investor kind of shoes, you see that as an opportunity for tech. You see that as something which, because it's repeatable, it lends itself very well to, to tech um, as a tech solution. And I think that's that's one of the spaces which during this process and during this kind of deep dive into this sector, as Carlos mentioned, I think we've identified as, as something which is really, really exciting. Okay, well, we'll jump into those sectors of innovation, including uh, things that are repetitive. But before we do that, why, why is the timing now? I mean, you know, obviously this has been a, a source of um, revenue for a lot of lawyers, just actually the time it takes to do these things. Um, why is now the time to, to change that? Because in many ways, I would, have, I would have figured that law firms would prefer having the revenue, no matter how rote the work might be. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's, you know, because of the nature of um, legal services, it's, you know, built by the hour. So on the one hand, you have obviously opportunities for increased efficiency, but is there a, a bit of a, a, a kind of trade-off there because they, they bill larger amounts if, if they take longer. So that's obviously, it's an interesting kind of like dynamic. But I think one of the reasons is that we're seeing a drive from whether it's the client side or now increasingly pressure from internally in law firms for there is, there is more transparency in the market. There's more transparency because you have services such as legal marketplaces, which are providing solutions for people to go and find a lawyer for a specific um, fixed fee. So lay people or people who aren't in the legal services sector will have an understanding of what things cost. And then you can also go now to, you know, document services providers, you know, large players like LegalZoom and, and the likes, and you can actually go and do kind of like do-it-yourself law. So people know a little bit more about 
where the value is. And so therefore, when you know where the value is, there's more opportunity for startups to come along and compete with the well-established players. So, you know, the large law firms who previously did everything and you would always go to a law firm for everything. Now they're seeing some of the kind of perhaps the lower value work, but actually being being kind of used through document service providers and people where the consumer can go direct to them rather than have to go to a law firm. Excellent. Well, maybe this is the time to jump into the sectors of innovation then, since that since it sounds like the time is right. What, what are the sectors you've identified? And I know for those of you that are listening to this, there's a, a blog post that Tom has drafted that you can reference as part of this podcast that will have them all broken out with some sample companies. But maybe, Tom, you can walk us through the sectors of innovation that you've identified. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so broadly speaking, there's, there's specific verticals which have lent themselves to tech um, in the legal space uh, more frequently um, over time. And actually, we're seeing a bit of consolidation in that space because there's been a lot of solutions already there. So if you're building a company now, I'd may perhaps view those with a little bit more caution than other ones. But an example of that is the e-discovery space. It's a very, very kind of like heavily regulated process brought about during litigation. Um, so a specific area of law. And because that deals with vast quantities of data in terms of you know, when you're actually discovering documents on one side, if you're, you're suing someone and you, you know, and you have to provide those documents, then that, that lends itself very well to, to solutions which are analyzing that data. And there's been some large companies which have um, been very well funded in that space, which as Carlos said, everyone should check out the blog post because there's details and how much they've been funded. And because there's so many companies in that space, we're seeing a bit of a consolidation. But other areas where the data is becoming more readily available and more suitable for tech solutions is in stuff where, again, speak, as we spoke about before, there's the ability for like natural language processing to take data and contracts and make that more readable so that people can get insights from those kind of contracts very, very quickly. I think as I kind of, you know, going off on a little bit of a tangent, a lot of people think of law as a, you know, a, a, a humanity subject and, you know, a kind of an art in a form. I actually see, you know, the legal practice is more of a science. It's more of it, you're, you're breaking things down. You're thinking almost like an engineer in some of the things. There's definitely a layer of finesse on top in legal drafting. And I think we're so far away from tech solutions getting to that. But the areas which are, you know, broken down in, in very structured formats. So such as the kind of boilerplate bits of a contract or the, um, you know, the, the, the areas where there's a lot of search involved around kind of IP protection, which everything's registered already online. All of that in vast sums of data lends itself so well to tech solutions. Um, and we're just starting to see the emergence of companies who, because of the tech advances we've seen over the last couple of years, startups are able to do this and startups are able to, you know, take, take the, the landscape as it is now and build solutions to solve those problems. So that's, that's really exciting. So as, as we touched upon before, the, you know, the things around contract review, taking that, taking that technology and applying it to specific contracts. That's interesting. Um, also in the kind of solutions built specifically for law firms to, to manage their practice. So providing transparency to, to costings, um, uh, firms because of the nature of law. And this would also apply to a lot of professional services. People are billing by the hour. Clients are looking for more transparency on that. There needs to be more kind of dynamic solutions. So, you know, a, a CCAM company, which is doing something in that space, Aperio, providing a lot of, um, yeah, you, have, you know, a, a very good product around managing and as a practice, the, um, the billing process. And so 
there's their areas, which you've, you, you can kind of see that we've identified during some of this deep dive. And then you, you, if you look one step further, so if you take contract review data, which is already existing, and you kind of think of all of that as almost like an automation of existing processes, and then you think, well, once you've got that data, once the companies are actually using the, the repeatable processes over and over again and improving what they're already doing, then you start to get into a really, really kind of exciting point where you can see firms starting to infer information from what they've already got and improve the service. And that's where you see opportunities for certain areas of law actually removing the lawyer. And I think the the interesting bit about that is, as, as someone who was in practice, there is, is almost a generational shift, I think. Um, law has always been... a a process because it's incredibly, you know, I think the people who stay and, and are, are very successful senior partners in law firms, incredibly, incredibly bright people, but they're also, um, they, they use a lot of the experience they've got. It's not something that you can necessarily learn very, very quickly. And I think that perhaps creates a funny dynamic in firms where there's, you know, there's people who want to get on very fast, but they're stuck doing quite menial tasks for a long time. So they can never get to the more interesting work, which is that free drafting, which I think will never be replaced by, by, by um, tech solutions necessarily. So you've got, if there's this possibility to automate a lot of the more menial tasks, then I think you can free up people within law firms to do the more interesting work. And there, and that's why there's probably Speaking to junior people who, friends of mine who are still in firms, you know, I think if you could do that, it's going to motivate people a lot more. It's going to make people enjoy their jobs a lot more. So I think that's another trend we're seeing. You know, they're seeing maybe a generational shift. And then those people become decision makers in law firms or in big corporates who are interacting with the legal services space. And they're going to look for further technological solutions to help with that. It's almost going to improve everyone's life, I think, in a way. So if you if you could fast forward maybe the progress of some of these companies and return back into a role within a practicing lawyer, what would be the companies that stand out most as super exciting for you in terms of the solving of problems? The companies which which are doing things around taking away the menial work would definitely be areas which you'd you'd be delighted at as a as a junior lawyer. So that's that's the contract review stuff. If you could, the, the issue with all of those companies is that they have a degree of of accuracy, which is which is very high, but it's not necessarily the the same as a human level. But even you know, as I see it, and you know, we've come across a number of these companies, so you know, the the likes of Beagle, the likes of um, Legal Robot, who are doing interesting things in the in the natural language processing space. Those programs could run through contracts which I was reviewing, and then they could provide initial insights so that I didn't have to trail through them as much, and I could just hone in on the bits maybe where they'd identified that. They couldn't necessarily find the piece of information I was looking for and pull out the right clause. That would be, you know, that would be kind of almost game changing in a way because I think it would would definitely have improved my life. Um, and then as a as a someone who also, you know, now on the other side of the fence and we're working with a lot of companies and they're constantly looking for, you know, advice. And, and we're we're very lucky at Seacamp because we have a lot of firms who we work with who. We know in the market and we trust and, and we're able to 
to introduce at the right time. Um, but as someone, as companies who don't know that and don't have access to that, things like, you know, the lawyer marketplace model, I think could be really powerful because that provides them with a means to get a trusted, vetted lawyer, which is so important in the early stages of a company. So again, you know, solutions, although they wouldn't have helped necessarily me in private practice, I can see them helping a lot of people now. So that's the kind of, you know, the Lexu marketplace models of this world. Um, and then I also think that the document services providers, so, so the people, you know, LegalZoom, very well known because they've raised a lot of money in that space. Um, but also now we're seeing companies emerge who are, who are going after initial verticals or certain sectors within this space. You know, we have a, a company, a CCOM company, Juro, which is um, doing something similar. And that's, again, as a lawyer, I think I would view those companies favorably because I think they take a, they provide a very good template for a company. Uh, so a legal, you know, a legal document, a specific document, say like an NDA or something. And that shouldn't necessarily be done by law firms because it's very standardized. And then it, with, with that, it's, a, it's, a, I think it's a great base for companies to start with. And it's a good first port of call. Of course, it doesn't replace, you know, professional services advice, which is really necessary in specialized areas, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a great start. And I think if we see more companies like that as well, they're going to, help the overall space and help with this transparency and help make sure that thinking through now from a founder's perspective, founders are armed with the best tools possible out there to make the right legal decisions. And are there any remaining regulatory or um, jurisdictional issues that prevent the innovation in this space? I think, I mean, in terms of regulatory stuff, there's... All of these companies, you know, they're not looking to do pure legal advice because, see, lawyers, you, you know, you train for a long time, you become registered, you join the, the solicitor's role in the, in the UK. And then also the law firms you work for are very heavily regulated and they are, you know, have huge insurance premiums. So there's areas which startups will stay away from and definitely should stay away from. And that's giving kind of pure legal advice. Um, and, and I think that will probably stay the same. I think that jurisdictional wise, it's, it's one of the tricky things about rolling out it, it's specifically in kind of like the document services area where you are providing templates. Those templates are going to have to change jurisdiction by jurisdiction. So it's something which companies, when they're thinking through, you know, their international expansion or where they're going to be in, you know, three years time, it's definitely a consideration. A lot of the other tools we're seeing, you know, the things like contract review, because they're based purely on tech, because they're purely, you know, algorithm based, there's no reason why they can't go jurisdiction by jurisdiction from day one. Well, if you guys enjoyed the brief topic and deep dive into legal tech, feel free to check out Tom's blog post on the subject. Uh, you had something more you want to add, Tom? Yeah. And um, of course, we're, you know, we're partnering with Nexo Labs for our call out for legal tech companies. So we have an application process open now um, and there's information of that on the Seacamp website. The applications are due to close Sunday. We might be extending it by a couple of days, but I would get there very, very quickly and fill in that application. It's a fantastic opportunity to get funding from us, but also funding from a, a partner in Excel Labs who are associated with Dentons, the, the global law firm. So you're getting kind of the best of both worlds. So check that out and until next time, guys. Bye.